0: You're listening to She Thrives Radio. This is episode number 31, and you guys, I am so excited to bring to you today's episode. I have an amazing interview with my friend Aaron Brown. Now, I know that a whole lot of you actually know and love Erin, but for those of you who don't know her already, Erin wears many hats. And we talk about all of these hats, or most of them anyway, in the interview and how they do all connect and how they all mean various things. Erin is a poet. She is a writer. She is a speaker. She is a doula. She does things like tarot card readings and business coaching and has most of her background in the social justice Fields And I first met Erin a couple years ago uh, when she came here for the Girls Gone Strong Women's Strength and Empowerment Weekend, which was super fun. It was here in Seattle, and I was interviewing and photographing Elizabeth Akunwale, and Erin um, came along. She was there for the whole time, and she was hanging out, and it was really fun uh, to get to know her then. And then uh, she was also out here in Seattle for another event, which was put on by... Our mutual friend, Allison Tenney, uh, the Ignited Women's Summit, which is another annual event. And the next one's coming up, I think, in February here in Seattle again. So Erin and I have known each other for a few years and have seen each other at these events and uh, occasionally go back and forth on Instagram. And guys, I just love her work. I love her vibe. I know you guys do too. So uh, let's just go ahead and get right on into it. We have a lot that we're covering. We bounce around a little bit, but I think it's all great stuff. And I think you're all going to love it. So... Without further ado, go ahead and fix your crown and let's talk about Queen shit with Aaron Brown. <music> Thrives Radio is the workshop-style podcast component to the She Thrives blog, a space dedicated to strong women on a mission to live a happy, authentic, purpose-driven, and healthy life. I'm your host, Taylor Gage, blogger and health coach at She Thrives, USA weightlifting and CrossFit coach, portrait photographer, compulsive movie quoter, and someone who loves to see you live big. SheThrivesBlog.com blog.com is the hub for everything we talk about here. You ready to do this? All right, you guys, so I am so excited to bring to you the one and only Erin Brown today. We have, I feel like we could talk for hours and hours on a <laughs> million different things today, go a million directions, and we'll probably just have to have you back on the show so we can actually explore all this stuff. But I so we're gonna do we're gonna do our best to cover all our bases today but before we get into this erin i would love for you to tell me a little bit about who you are right i think a lot of um our audience like my audience and obviously your audience like knows who you are but in case anybody's just joining us and is not familiar with you and your work and your missions uh and your journey in general i was wondering if you could just get everybody up to speed here man. (laughs) I know, good luck. (laughs) I was was
1: trying to get myself up to speed with what I'm doing. Um, Well, I um, I, I have a really interesting history, and in terms of work, um, I was a social worker for a really long time, um, and then shifted after I had my daughter to um, a variety of things, but landed on personal training for a while. Um, And I keep like chipping away at, like, this isn't quite it, but there's something of that to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like it wasn't personal training, but movement was important to me. And then um, what I was really doing in personal training was body image work. And so I was there for a while, but really the body image part for me was body image and the intersection of rape culture and the way we're taught to um, fear our bodies or see or have our, our sexuality weaponized against us. And so I started exploring that. And then I became a doula and I'm interested in birth justice. And I just keep sort of like, As I explore my own healing and my own um, issues and work to um, really self-actualize in spite of all of the things I've been told that I'm supposed to be, as I do that work, um, I find more work to bring to others, more trainings I want to do. Um, Some people call it skill stacking, I think, I can't remember who coined that term. Um, so that's, that's what I do. I'm kind of, I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm always following, um, my heart and I'm always following my own healing. And that tends to relate to a lot of people, even if from a distance, it looks like I don't even know what she's doing right now. And that's fine.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. And as we move through today, I'd love to just kind of, kind of, you know, focus a little bit on some of these individual steps that you've taken and, and ultimately kind of how they do all support each other and how they do all reflect this this mission that you're on and the work that like this this, this vision, right, that you have and the work that you're doing. So I kind of want to talk about all of the various things that you're doing. Um, and I wanted to start with the book. That, I think it was, was it last year that you released Sovereign or mm-hmm. was the year before? Last yeah. Last year last year so I wanted to just talk to you first and foremost about that book and I guess why like why this was important for you to create and put out and where did it come from and uh what were you I don't know what were you maybe hoping to just tell tell me about that book and tell me why
1: I have a tendency that I realized um recently is when I'm finished um Focusing on an area, I write the book about that time period and move Mm. on from it, if that makes sense. So by the time I'm writing a book about something, um, I'm kind of closing a chapter. And for, I don't know, more than 15 years, I've spoken publicly about um, a history of sexual assault. And then um, I've been doing that online, obviously, for about the last eight years. Um, it's usually a part of speaking engagements and it's not so much that I'm like telling my whole story like that, that, that's not really anywhere. Um, but speaking to that and a lot of that is, um, helping understand, helping other people understand how that impacted them, how that impacts the way they view others, how that impacts the way they speak about themselves and others. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm, I think I'm done sharing that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, because it does start to take something from me that I'm not willing to give anymore. And it starts to, um, I don't know, become a thing that defines me and it's not. And so, especially as I become healthier, it's like just not a part I'm willing to dredge up anymore. And so that was the book that was like, um, in that way, the end of me telling that story all of the time, but also was my swan song to anti-oppression work. Mm -hmm. that, um, I've, I've been doing anti-oppression work in a variety of ways for, um, over 20 years and it's exhausting and important and looked a lot different 20 years ago than it does now. Um, it was a lot lonelier, but also less noisy. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I'm, I've shifted to liberation work and the, the difference between the two is one is sort of explaining old systems and dismantling them. And the other is like, here's the new way, here's the healing way. Here's the way that includes everyone. Here's a good example. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to do now. But that was, that was several years of speeches. That was 15 years of work. It was just like, I needed to put it all together in one thing so I could move on.
0: I love that. And I love that you just talked about um, liberation work versus like a, a, a like anti-oppression work. And I know that um, a, kind of a another project that you're working on, I mean, you have a lot of, pro- like I said, we're going to try to talk about all of them today. But another project <laughs> <laughs> that you, you're working on that I've seen you have been sharing about that I'm really interested in is the Sexual Sovereignty Project that you have yeah. on your site Where you hold really interesting interviews with uh, women and just kind of get into this conversation. I'd love to know a couple things about this actually, but um, how would you describe this work as liberation work?
1: Well, I mean, sex is an area in particular that I don't think anybody gets a really good um, deal in terms of conditioning and narratives and. You know, like, really, as long as we have all of these um, really limiting ideas of who and what we're supposed to be based on a variety of identity pinpoints and whatever, like, nobody gets to be fully expressed, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, sexuality is a really important part of that. And that's a place that I've had to do a lot of my own healing to feel, like, comfortable um, and... I'm comfortable being vulnerable and all of those things. And then furthermore, like, okay, I'm comfortable and I'm comfortable being vulnerable. And also, what am I into? Mm-hmm. What am I missing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what have I not thought about? What do I like to think about? Um, and what what was in the way of that? And so in that way, I'm just sort of like giving a bunch of different people who um, exist in different ways, sexologists, sex therapists. Um, people who specialize in different things, an opportunity to talk about, um, you know, this stuff. Like, I really enjoyed the interview on polyamory that I did. Mm-hmm. And I walked into that interview honestly thinking, like, I don't know anything about this. It's completely foreign to me. I know some people who are poly, but not well enough that it would be appropriate for me to ask questions about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then after the conversation, I was like, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. I don't know if that's for me, but like everything that she said makes sense. We just don't get all the options. Mm. And so um, I just like exploring the options. It doesn't mean I'm into all of them, but I'm open to all of them. And I like talking about them. And I also noticed that a lot of people aren't as open um, and comfortable talking about a variety
0: of um taboo topics like I am so I think it's useful. I think that's really I'm I am yeah, fascinated by. It. I think that's really important and I I'm, I'm curious like in this work um in this like specific area in particular has has there been something in these conversations that has like surprised you, or maybe in your own kind of conversations with yourself, or, you know, like in this area of, you know, sexual liberation, or whatever you might want to call it, has there been something that's really surprised you through all this work? I think the thing that surprises
1: me over and over again, both with the, with the sexual sovereignty project, but just with liberation work in general, is that we're really good at overcomplicating things. (laughs) (laughs) And, um... You know, I've been saying for a couple of years, for example, that like gender has evolved so rapidly, like language around gender, and that it's hard to keep up with. And that's not like something to lament about. And it's not like I, I, the most basic thing I can do is try and keep up with language such that I'm not disrespecting entire groups of people, right? Like that's a really basic thing that I can do. And, um, you know, people disagree about it and that in that specific space, what's, um, accepted or best practice does seem to be evolving very quickly, which is great. Um, and I was saying that for a while that it was, I was, There were parts about it that I was kind of confused about. Like, that was a place I had a lot of learning to do. And then one day, um, I was talking to my friend, Saida, that I actually have a podcast with. And she explained something about identity that just, like, smacked me in the face about how simple it was. And I was like, i am running around like a jackass (laughs) talking about how it's just, you know, I'm learning, whatever. You know, I'm not talking about the side of my neck. Like, I really am. It was important to me. And now I'm like, oh, well, people (laughs) – and it was something as simple as like people you, people choose their own identity they, they define that, and what that means to them might be different than what that means to someone else, and that's fine. Mm. You know, you don't have to understand all of the definitions. You just respect what people say, and and I was like, oh. yeah,
0: that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like
0: that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And gender is fluid, and all. I think I think I was really struggling with those things because. So much of my work has centered around my conditioning as female, which was very binary. Right. You know, instead of so shift that perspective, which is all of my work is based into, like, everything about this is bullshit, actually. It was, was a rough shift. And then once you get there, you're like, oh. <laughs> oh, obviously.
0: <laughs> it's just so much simpler than we make it. Oh, I love that. And I think, I think that this whole conversation, like, I mean, like you said, uh, a lot of your work uh, has been kind of – loosely, or I don't know, pretty focused. Um, I don't know, I think it could be argued both ways, but about owning who you are, owning your body, right, owning your voice, all of that stuff. And I think that that's something that at least, you know, my audience really, like, loves to hear from you. And I think your audience as well, I think that work um, is, is really impactful. And so my question to you is, like, in that arena of like learning how to own who you are and like take up your space, right? And own your voice and own your body and just like feel in your power in that way. Where does one begin this process? Oh my gosh. Well, the
1: beginning. Right. <laughs> There's a couple of different things I think can be really helpful. Um, and this isn't just to do with, like, um, body image or or owning your space or whatever, but whenever you have a reoccurring difficult feeling, if you feel open to it, a good practice is to ask yourself, like, what is the feeling? Where does it live? When did you last feel this way? When did you first remember feeling this way? Mm. Um, Because that might give more indications of where the actual work is to be done. For example, with body image stuff, like... If, you know, in my, my narrative that I carried around forever that now just feels like I'm talking about a stranger, actually, um, like something yeah. was really wrong with me and it, I wasn't good enough or, or whatever, um, when I really, like, turned that over and started looking at when did I start feeling this way? What, what was happening with me? You know, I found that, like, the real hurts had absolutely nothing to do with what I saw in the mirror. And so a lot of times the things that we hyper-focus on fixing about ourselves, whatever that is... Um, has nothing to do with the root cause of the root problem. Hmm. So that's the personal aspect. And then what I think is really interesting and useful and and what has made um, my work make sense to me is is a study of sociology. And you obviously don't have to study sociology, but there's a lot of really great books that break down things like what is um, what what is the history of body image, you know, and what Yeah. <laughs> how does advertisements play into this? When did big lips and like big asses become a thing and and versus something else, you know, like who's controlling that, who profits from that, who's deciding what those messages are. Like those sorts of things are really interesting. So both exploring your personal history and then also exploring your um, cultural narrative and, and the idea of like, owning your space and, and all the things that you said for me requires the shedding of all of these things, both that you put on yourself and that other people put on you that doesn't relate to who you are.
0: Oh, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. And I know it's it's an ongoing, you know, it's an ongoing unpacking, I guess. I feel like there are always layers to kind of pull back there. So um, I love that, that that's a great place to start for anybody out there who's looking for a place to start. I would love to talk about your, you know, this big new project that you are working on because there's a lot that I want to talk about within this. So, uh, Furine, did I say that right? Okay, yes, (laughs) (laughs) Furine magazine, you and Jen Sinkler have launched this really cool project. And I would just love to hear you tell me a little bit about what it is, where it came from, why all of the deets on this, uh, because I think it's amazing. And so I want to learn more about it. Um,
1: so Jen and I operate very similarly, um, and we work really well together, which is like kind of, a little bit wild and a little bit creative, but there's also a lot of, (laughs) but there's also like some ritual to it. I don't know. Um, but I think it was actually, um, David Delanave that said that when we were together, it was like watching feral cats. (laughs) And so we were like, yes, (laughs) that is exactly what that is. (laughs) Um, and you know, we both, tend to have a lot of projects or ideas about things happening at the same time and the magazine was happening um, on her end and I was gonna be involved in it. And then I went to see her and that all shifted and we named it Therine, because Feral magazine is already a thing. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of other names. Yeah how hard it is to name something now. Oh like, yes.
0: Yes. Everything's
1: like a blog spot that's not being used yep. anymore. Anyway, so we went <laughs> and we found ferrine, and you should have seen us for a couple of days we were just like every like 5 minutes being like ferrine. like trying to, like,
0: say <laughs> to each other, like can we make that a thing? <laughs> that shit's so in right now. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so um, nobody's <laughs> using that name and it's a really interesting derivative of feral meaning um, wild after a period of forced domestication.
0: Um, I love which, that, though.
1: Yes, which can relate to um, all kinds of things. You know, it doesn't have to be literal. It can be, like, forced domestication of your mind. Yes, yes. You know? And so that's sort of, at least for me, the idea. And we, like, um, she's been steady working on this for a while, We have been making the launch happen quickly while then she left to Denmark. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so we are making things happen, but um, we have really big plans for it. We are really proud of the people that we have involved. Um, I've never been more psyched to work with a group of people, and this is the first time I've been involved in something of this magnitude where from the beginning I feel really good about what I'm doing who I'm working with, where everyone's at in it, um, that everyone has a voice, that Mm. I don't have to, I've worked in all kinds of jobs and systems and organizations and there's always something I feel like I have to go in and like throw my weight around about, which I have a reputation for and I don't like doing it. Right,
0: (laughs) yeah, I I feel you on on that, I feel you on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, let's just do it right, you know, Mm -hmm. from the beginning. Oh, I'm so excited. And what would you say, like your main mission with this, with this magazine, is? Like, what is the, you know, what's the purpose of it? What's the goal? What's the, what do you, what are we, what are we working towards or hoping to inspire or accomplish? Like, what, what would you say it is? So this is going to be a really
1: interesting answer because. Um... Jen and I have been texting about what like our elevator pitches are. Yeah, right dude. Now.
0: That's like my the bane of my existence as an elevator pitch. I'm like, do you how tall is the building?
1: <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know if hers would be the same as mine and we are actually going to be getting together very soon and busting out things like mission. I mean, I know we yes. both see the same thing, but like we need the language on it. So Edwards, yeah. I'm gonna take a, a swing at it and that might be different in a week. Um, But in my head, we are approaching a lot of the same sorts of subject matters that a traditional women's magazine would. And and women's magazines historically are, you know, the highest selling magazines. Like they're very Mm -hmm. impactful on a cultural level, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Everything from Cosmo to Bitch to Ms. like these Mm -hmm. things inform the way women move and the way women move informs our culture. So, um, (laughs) yeah. And so if we are not talking about... I don't know, 50 ways to touch a penis, which is the kind of stuff I was reading in Cosmopolitan when I was 17. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are talking about (laughs) sexuality, sexual expression. Um, There's going to be an erotica section, which I'm excited about. Um, And how to touch a penis might be in there, but as one of many options. Mm -hmm. And so it's less about prescribing what the new woman or a man or a non-binary person should be like to be empowered today and more... What's healthy? What's possible? What's available to you? Um, yeah, more options. Like in aesthetics, I have an article coming on um, anti-thigh chafing options oh, that I've been trying- I
0: oh. need that, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and then I have somebody that I want to write about um, different binders. And I guess there's like I've I've never bound my breasts, but I guess there's different comfort. You know, that was some of them different, offer different levels of comfort. Or some of them have more skin tones than others and, you know, things that would be really useful if you were looking for your first binder. So, you know, what happens if you really are in an environment where it it's diverse from the beginning, where there's lots of voices included from the beginning, where when we're thinking about aesthetics, we're thinking about every possible thing under the sun and not having, like, a very special edition where this person exists, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I think a really interesting way to help people confront their biases without telling them that you're doing it too. Like we're just all here now. What?
0: Ooh, I like that. I like that. (laughs) And this is like a kind of, it's like a, a a subscription service, right? Like a, like a magazine that would be delivered to your house kind of thing. Is that right? Yes. So there's two different options.
1: Um, the online version will always be free and, um, you can get emails about articles and stuff. So that's free. Mm -hmm. And then there's quarterly special edition print. And so those will be like zines and they will not be like, here's all the articles from this quarter, but they will have like their own theme and each of them will be their own thing. So like, when we have enough erotica, I'd like to do a special edition that's all erotica and I'm really looking forward to the artwork for that one. It's super fun. <laughs> yes, I love or that. Or one that's just essays, you know, or one that is um, really just about politics if we're like in a voting cycle and, you know, I don't know. Um, but there'll be really special edition things that um, we're going to do limited edition prints of too. So um, I'm really excited about it. It's also fun to be making art in a new way again.
0: Yeah, I think that's just got to, just ignite all sorts of fun fires within you. I think there's that that sounds like there's so many things working at once, and it sounds like it's right up your alley, and I'm just super excited for both of you guys for launching that. I think it's something that we can all benefit from. So I just want to be sure that everybody listening knew that that was a thing. And <laughs> They should go look at that right now. Uh, so I'm super <laughs> excited for you guys. Congratulations on that. I can't wait to see where it goes. Thank you. I think another one of the things, you know, hearing you kind of talk about um, – you know, working with Jen and just working in any of these projects that we've been talking about is um, your, your, uh, how you prioritize your female connections and your friendships. And I, I think it's really wonderful to see. And I just wanted to hear a little bit from you you know, I don't really necessarily have a pointed question on this, but I just would love to hear a little bit from you about why that is so important to you and like what you do to keep those relationships alive and well and, and, and active and like nurturing in both ways and just about female relationships in general. Mm,
1: That's a good question. Um, I have so many relationships that I find so nourishing. Mm -hmm. Um, where like I feel like myself, I feel like I don't have to explain who I am. I might have to explain what I meant, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. but I don't have to explain who I am, which is a big difference, um, where I can love in a way that is received and I feel loved in a way that I can receive. And really that's come... With knowing myself better. I've been very fortunate to have some really good girlfriends. I mean, I've had some friends that we've been friends since I was 12 years old. So <laughs> I have some of those too. Um, but in recent years, the people who have shown up in my life um, are just so great. And the difference between people I used to meet, and I think I think when you like level up, when you like walk taller, then you like meet eyes with new people. You know mm, what I mean? Yes. And so, in recent years, I've really attracted the kind of woman that says exactly what she means, and I so appreciate being friends with her.
0: Yes, <laughs> um, yes.
1: because it's so much easier. So that's what I mean. Like I, I have to explain what I mean sometimes because we we will be like, "Oh, was that? I didn't like that." <laughs> 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 you know, but it's quick. It's over. I never lose sleep over things because we talk about it immediately. Um, and it's so easy for me to love women like that because, um, because I trust them because they have very good boundaries and because, um, they tend to be women that other people find intimidating. Um, and so it just like, does, does my heart good? And I think does their hearts good to be loved well instead of like kept at a scary distance, um, which is useful too. But I like, I like loving well on women like that.
0: I love that. How do you, how, I know a lot of the women who you are, well, I don't know, I'm assuming through Instagram, that was a way, (laughs) those are not the same things, wow, okay, Um, (laughs) that a lot of the women that you're close with live in lots of different parts of the country or the world, right? Like, you're not, everybody is local to you, is that accurate in saying? Yes. So how do you go about maintaining those relationships through all of the stressors of, you know, time zones and, and work and life and all the things that happened, right?
1: Well, part of it is not having unrealistic expectations on those things, mm-hmm. you know? So all of my friendships are the kind where if we didn't talk for a while and then one of us needed something, we could pick up exactly where we left off. Um, I also have the Marco Polo app, which I really enjoy. Do you have that? No, I never heard of it. It's a video texting app. Video just, texting? I don't know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what even is that? Video texting? Like you make a video and then you send it to them oh. and then they have the video and then they can send you a video and you can like change your voice. I don't know. It's really dumb. but. <laughs> With my friends who live in other parts of the country, it's nice to see their faces. Um, I have a friend who's pregnant, and I haven't met her partner yet, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I get to see them together and stuff like that. I just try and find creative ways to um, make sure I'm reaching out and and make sure that the people that I love feel loved, Um, and that's not perfect, and we're really forgiving because they also are all doing stuff, you know, we're busy people.
0: And sort of on the uh, the same uh, or a different branch of the same tree, you know, talking about maintaining these relationships with your friends and making time for this kind of stuff and these connections, how would you say that you do that for yourself in that like making time for yourself, you know, we've obviously talked about just some of the things that you have going on here and it's a lot, right so how do you amongst all of the the projects and the work and, and and all of the various things that every right we all have going on and the stuff that you in particular are doing, like how do you make time for yourself uh, and not get you know kind of sucked into the, the overwhelm feeling or or just run yourself into the ground or any of those things?
1: Um, well, that's where exercise is really important to me. And yes. I hope to continue to see that gap bridged between like, um, athletes, competitors, fitness industry, and people who don't relate to those things who could also benefit from movement.
0: You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like those Thank are,
1: you. we don't all have to be, um, I don't know, Olympic rowers, right? Like, we right. Don't
0: have to yeah.
1: Something. Um, and it's so good for your mental health. And so, um, I I have to have movement as a part of my practice, or I definitely feel um, the knocks to my mental health. So that's always there. The other thing is that, like, I have a very anti-hustle, like lifestyle, I don't know how else to put it. Like, I drive a Cadillac with a white leather <laughs> interior I bought from my grandma. Yeah, and I show up early most that. places because I just cannot stand to be in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing about driving my car is that people don't flip me off anymore because they expected Cadillac to drive slow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, like,
1: that's a metaphor for how I move through my days, it's pretty accurate. Like, I. I try to luxuriate in things, and when I work, I work hard, I work effectively, I get a lot of things done at once, and then I'm trying to lay in my hammock. Yes. <laughs> like my whole mentality and my lifestyle. When you say all the things I'm doing, I'm like, wow, yeah, okay, go me, because I really try to keep it keep it easy and um, luxurious, even like I'm I'm trying to luxuriate in my life,
0: <laughs> uh, and
1: keeping that attitude keeps me out of hustle. Um, the dad I'm stressed. Sometimes that gets acute really quickly and I don't notice because I do such a good job at taking care of myself. Um but yeah, it's it's a it's an attitude, Taylor.
0: I like that. I like that. If you if you do feel that stress hit you, or you have a deadline coming through, or something that's kind of compounding, do you have kind of a go to strategy that or a routine that you kind of implement, or what's your go to 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 just get out of that hurried hustle mind space and back into that zen?
1: Um. Well, it depends. I mean, it doesn't happen a whole lot because I don't have a boss. So that is pretty
0: nice, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So I'm more likely to push something back than hold myself to a deadline that's not working for me. Yeah. Um, But I do often burn the midnight oil um, and I found that that's just kind of a part of how I work. I know that it's not ideal for sleep, but there are times when like I need to finish something or I'm really like in flow with writing. And I think that happens a lot mostly because I'm a mom. So it's the time when my headspace is really just mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I follow that and then I'll take a nap the next day. So I just, I, especially with creative work, I work when inspired and I try to do everything to create an environment where I will probably feel inspired Mm -hmm. and I never get mad about when that actually works out, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that a lot. I don't like hustle. I just don't, it's like I used to be late everywhere. I used to be that person yeah. and I felt awful about it. And then you just like self-sabotage and do it again because you're like, this is just the person I am. I yeah. just can't disappoint people, right?
0: <laughs> it's true.
1: <laughs> and so I would like beat myself up about that and like be like this time I'm gonna do it differently. And like this relates to so many things, but being late is the what I'm going to focus on. So I stopped resisting that I'm this late person and I need to like be different and started focusing on what I wanted for myself. And that was that I really don't like that feeling of being in a hurry. I don't like keeping people waiting at all. I don't like rushing in my car or rushing to my car or not having time to do all the things I want to do in the morning. And I really like taking my time. And so that feels like a better choice than don't be a terrible human that makes people wait all the time and disappoints everyone, right? Mm,
0: There's a good (laughs) life lesson in there, right? (laughs) Yeah, that applies to a lot of shit. I like that a lot. Um, you know, I think, I don't know, a few, I don't know, maybe it was a few months, maybe it was a few weeks, I have no concept of time. But we were recently talking about um, sort of how we, we, both me and you, maybe have learned some of our lessons in life the hard way, right? And no. yeah, like, doctors? I'm pretty excited. Yeah. You know, and I was just, I wanted to just kind of pick your brain about that. I wanted to, you know, I want you to feel free to go in as much as you, as you want, but you know, I would love to know if, if there was such a thing as like your favorite lesson that you learned the hard way, like what was that? Or maybe your most impactful lesson. Um, like Tell me a little bit about that experience. Just learning shit the hard way. <laughs> oh my God.
1: Well, um what what she's referring to, but y'all probably know her. But did you do that podcast? I saw you did a an Instagram post about how you were gonna talk about.
0: I did my very first episode of this podcast. I gave a little bit of a um Yeah, I talked a little bit about how I had been uh, kicked out of school and how I had just like dabbled in some drugs I shouldn't have been dabbling in and kind of had a party or, you know, I was a smoker for a really long time. So there's a there's a fair amount of my story that I've shared with people, not like every detail, but, you know, definitely people. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't want to tell your business. (laughs) No, no. What did you tell the people? Yeah. So, by the way, if you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the very first episode of this podcast, and I'll catch you, get you up to speed. But um, yeah, yeah, back to you.
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I it's hard to pick out like an end. When you say my my favorite lesson, the one that I always think of, which doesn't really relate to these things at all, but that was the hardest for me to learn, is that sex isn't love, and it isn't even intimacy, necessarily. Mm, That's
0: a Uh, good lesson,
1: though. (laughs) That was big, and doesn't have a whole lot to do with drug use, and doesn't not, actually. So, Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was also kicked out of school, and um, I didn't use a lot of kinds of drugs, but I was high a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. and um, I just really checked all the way out of my life for a while, Um, and I used to feel really badly about that. Or, like, that was a part of my life that I should be ashamed of um, when I've reconnected with people from that time in my life. Specifically, like, um, you know, like, my advisor from school. Like, people who were, like, trying to look out for me and not mm-hmm. people who were, like, at parties with me. I feel, for a long time, I felt kind of embarrassed or, like, I needed to, like, prove myself. And now I see that, like, those were some of the most informative years of my life, you know? Yes. <clears throat> and I started... I started using drugs and started kind of, I don't know, (laughs) I don't want to say like wrong path because what does that even mean? My most formative years, I was not doing what I was told to do. Same. Same. <laughs> so, those were like, you know, starting at 13 and then kind of yeah. another go around in terms of not being in a good place emotionally or mentally in college. Um, I was studying depression. I was studying trauma. I was studying relationships and intimacy. <laughs> I was, you know, like knee deep in all of this shit that I was really looking at um, and not going to class. And so, um, all of those things inform my work. And I don't want to say that, like, Some of the choices I made, I'm not proud of, but I can't regret any of them because I like, I like who I turned out to be. I like, um, that I have experiences with so many different kinds of people such that I really don't have a lot of preconceived notions about, Mm -hmm. does it mean if a person does this type of drug or ends up in this predicament or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of compassion. I have a lot more compassion for myself and, um, I've I've done some wild shit. I'm not mad at that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Same. It is weird though. I feel like looking at you know, especially like you know, I don't know for me like in the the role that I fill now and the, the 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 sort of voice that I have and kind of the the mission, all of the things that I'm doing right now. You know, when I look back at to to those years, and it's just like man alive, it is like oh, uh, I, it feels like lifetimes, absolute lifetimes. Uh, It feels like a totally different person. And I oftentimes forget, honestly, that that's who I was in those time periods. Like I, it's so, it just seems so, um, distant, I suppose. Um, but it is interesting when I, when we were talking and I kind of got pulled, you know, I was kind of reminiscing, we got pulled back into those years and it's funny, um, that I'm so quick to distance myself from that. But you're right, so many very important lessons were learned during that time. And I I wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that you wouldn't either, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean,
1: I, I also had a lot of fun. Like there seems to be something to that, um, you know, <clears throat> experiencing joy to the same level you've experienced pain or whatever. Some poet wrote about that, and I'm really Mm. messing it up right now. But (laughs) (laughs) I also had a lot of fun um, and found my limits and found my boundaries. I mean, finding my boundaries was a lesson that I had to learn a lot of times in really hard ways, but I have them now. Um, And that's huge. And I'm sure that there's other ways to learn things. I don't know. Lists. (laughs) Books. (laughs) Books. But <laughs> I don't know about those things either. <laughs> experiencing something to where it becomes a part of who you are, mm. um, especially when you make a choice to be different, you know, and you can feel that in your bones. That's worthwhile. Can I ask you? Yeah. You cool?
0: Wait, sorry, what was the question? When you were like using drugs and smoking and stuff, were you cool? Were you a cool kid? Um, I was, I would not classify myself as a cool kid. No, (laughs) I was not. I will also say though, I was in a private school that was very small. So the social dynamics were like, just kind of bizarre to begin with. And so I was not, I wouldn't, no, I wasn't cool. But I, so I got expelled from that school and I did end up returning to that school actually and graduating and the life lessons in that petri dish of a social environment getting expelled and coming back was just I don't even know. Uh, that was a very interesting experience for me. I also got kicked out of college, but that's a story for another day. Um, but so Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait. Were you what kind of private school?
0: Um, just a I mean, it wasn't like a boarding school or anything, but it was just like a private school like in our area. Okay. So not, like, a Catholic school. No, like, no, quick- it wasn't any of that. It was, like, a liberal – it was, like, a It was like a creative, like, you know. Um, and I actually learned really well in that school because it was so small. I wasn't – I couldn't deal with the, like, public school systems where you're just kind of following the book and all that shit. So it, it was good until it wasn't, and then, you know. <laughs> but I would love to know for you, like, in this, in this era, you know, or maybe multiple eras, like, I think we both kind of had uh, – um, was there ever like, was there like a turning point where you were like, all right, like I'm done with this or like what, what kind of helped you transition maybe out of that and back into yourself? Right. you talk about like escaping life in a lot of ways. Like what kind of helped you turn that corner and kind of come back to yourself? Um,
1: a couple of different things. The first time, um, in terms of like what was going on with my mental health when I was 13, that was, that just, that was a whole really bad year. Um my parents took us to Wyoming. We didn't do a lot of traveling as a family. We didn't have <clears throat> the means to have a lot of vacations. But this was one of the few that I took growing up. So we went to Wyoming and um, stayed in cabins and looked at nature. And, you know, I got outside of the bubble I was living in. Mm-hmm. And something about that, something about seeing that, like, you know, the 20 people that my life revolved around were not the whole world. Um, made me hopeful for my life again. And then um, the second time after like college and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff um, was my kid. Yeah. I remember remember the first thing I thought when I got pregnant with her is I can't hide from myself anymore. You know, like everything about me and how I operate is going to be reflected back at me and her. And of course she's her own person, but you can't front for kids Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know? mm-hmm. <laughs> you just tell her I'm a really confident person, and that's gonna rub off on her because I said it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. So, so true. Um, that's she. She motivates everything that I do, and you know I'm also a, a priority in my own life. That's not a martyrdom situation, but I think so long as I make um, her a priority and me a priority, and I tend to my life and my heart that I will raise a girl who will tend to her life and her heart, um, in a way that's respectful of her and her own wishes. And, um, when I don't feel like taking care of myself, I, I think about what I would want her to do. And I always do that.
0: Ooh, I just got goosebumps. I love that. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Um, wow. Aaron, I just have one more question for you, but before we get to that, Um, I wanted to just let people know where they can find you, how they can work with you, how they can learn more from you. So what are the answers to those things?
1: <laughs> well, I'm Erin I'm Brown everywhere, but you know, the only place I really like to hang out is Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a bummer because I have
0: like the, you know, my following is on Facebook, but it just, Facebook got really noisy. Are you there still? Uh, barely. I, I, I talk a lot to uh, our private like Facebook group, but my page, yeah, it's just, it's tough. It's
1: it just tough. feels so noisy mm-hmm. and it wasn't feeling good to me. I keep thinking I'm going to jump back in and then I look at it and I'm like, eh, nah, make an Instagram story instead. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I, um, Instagram, I am Aaron Brown um, and then my website is com. Um, from there, you can find Theorine Mag, but Fierine Mag on Instagram as well. Um, I do um, tarot readings, short readings that are just via email, and then longer readings with a little bit of coaching and guidance afterwards. That's something I started. Um, I picked up my first tarot deck, I think, 22 years ago. So I like doing that. Um, I do business coaching, very short term. Basically, the gist is like if you wanna, if you wanna, if you're a fork in the road and you want some guidance from me, I do that. I don't do long term. I'm not a chiropractor where you come in and I'm like six months of. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like one and done, and then I usually limit folks to working with me four times a year because I think that you have to be the guru of your own life. Mm, Yes. Um, And I have three books on Amazon and a deck of affirmation cards on my website. Am I missing anything? I
0: I don't know. (laughs) 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 Uh, So many good things out there for you guys to go explore and read and just look into. I, um, okay, so I think this may have, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think during some of, like, the promotion for your book, Sovereign, um, you were talking a lot about queen shit, right? Like, there was this, like, kind of hashtag you were using, you were talking about it a little bit, and I would love to know what that means to you.
1: Yeah, you, um, you're the first person to ask about this, because that was supposed to be the title of the book, and then it wasn't. Oh, (laughs) Good
0: to know.
1: So, um, yeah, I've been waiting to talk about this. Um, So I started using the term queen shit, I think, at the Women's Fitness Summit two or three years ago. But I had gotten to a part in a speech where I was talking about taking care of yourself, about, like, here's all the work ahead of us and don't be a martyr. Um, And I said... Something to the effect of like, uh, you know, hearken words like luxurious, I mean, queen shit. And mm. that like, I felt that land and I was like, oh, y'all like that. Okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to use that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started hashtagging, hashtagging everything queen shit and like really trying to build around that the idea that um, if you were to treat yourself like royalty, what does that mean about how you treat other people? What does that mean your responsibility is? You know, so it's not just about taking bubble baths, but it's about, like, being accountable for your own education and your Mm. mouth, Mm. you know? (laughs) So I was building out this thing, which was then the concept for the book, which is, you know, loosely based on all these speeches I've given. Um, And then uh, Queen Shit went elsewhere. So um, Remy Ma and Nicki Minaj, I think that's who it was, had a rap battle. Uh. And hashtag queen shit to go with that. And then there was before the, the D challenge, people were hashtagging queen shit to go with that. And Gabrielle Union was talking about queen shit. And like queen shit was suddenly everywhere. And primarily it was black women using it. Uh huh. And we looked everywhere when I first started using that hashtag, and it wasn't—it wasn't anywhere. But I don't, for a second, believe that Remy Ma took this hashtag from me. Just to be clear, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I believe that that's you know an idea, and multiple people can have the same idea. Yeah. Um, But the the optics of um, of a white woman stealing in that way, even if that's not the case, was just not worth it. And so I'd done all of this work branding queen shit, which that was the concept, um, and then just sort of buried it in the subtitle and ended up with sovereign, which I thought worked better for what I was doing anyway, and more clearly spoke to the idea of, um, of self governance, of sovereignty, without having to explain the concept of queenship. But that's what happened. Nobody asked.
0: That's you, but... interesting. I didn't know. I thought, I mean, it seemed like it just went hand in hand anyway. You know, I mean, they, they seem so, you know, they they complement each other, so I didn't know if it was just a. But I love that. That's interesting. Yeah, it was a very creative last minute decision. I had all the merch done. I had
1: everything done, and was like, ugh. <laughs> it just doesn't. You know, like somebody else landed it first, really. Yeah. You know, so yeah. then it belongs to them more than it belongs to me. If that makes sense.
0: So you would kind of just sum that up as just being. How how would you how would what what would you uh, simplify that term to mean to you.
1: Queen shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, sovereignty is a better way to put it, but, um, both self-governing and, um, accountable for your actions. Mm, So like, I'm going to take care of me. I've got me. And I'm also going to take care of how I take care of you. Um, so the idea is that it's hearkening to both like self-governance and, um, accountability and community. That's perfect. But I, I was love trying that. to make it sexy.
0: I love that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like how do you make like nuance and accountability sexy? Listen, I don't know.
0: I think you did it. I'm just gonna put that out there. I think you did it. You, you did it. I think you are doing it, Erin. I, I really do. I I I love all of the the various projects that you're working on and I love how they all complement each other in all these different arenas and Um, because I think that it helps just, I think it helps remind people that these, these issues aren't islands, you know, like they, they interact and overlap with each other in so many ways. And the more we can be like self-aware of that and how improving this one area or getting more honest in this area or getting more outspoken or whatever the, whatever we need in one area can often benefit so many different, you know, facets of our life. And so... Um, I think it's important to be involved in all this stuff. So I, I love the work that you're doing. I know that my audience does too. Um, they, they love uh, your voice and your mission and your and your work. And so this was just an absolute honor to be able to have you on the show today. So thank you so much for coming through. Thank you. This was so fun. I feel like we might have to do might have to do it again sometime. Just gonna put that out there. Um, yeah, this is wonderful, Erin. Thank you so much. And um, maybe until next time, we'll see. Perfect. And that wraps it up today, guys. I sure hope you enjoyed that episode. I had a lot of fun chatting with Erin. Be sure to check out her magazine, Fearine. I'm super excited for this, and I would love for you guys to go to, su- to support it um, if it sounded like something that's interesting to you. So definitely go check that out and give her a follow on the socials. And again, if you liked this episode, leaving a review is the best best compliment that I could possibly get if you enjoy the conversations we have here and the things that you learned. So if you can leave a review on iTunes, I will send you all the good karma that I have uh, and always appreciate that. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation today. Until next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of She Thrives Radio. And if you like what you heard today, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And then head on over to SheThrivesBlog.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thank you for listening. Until next time.